Welcome into the PFN Bengals podcast. I am Dallas Robinson. He, as always, is Jay Morrison. Jay, the Bengals won a Monday Night Football against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that was looking to compete for the number one overall seed in the conference yeah. with Jake Browning under center. I, I can't, almost can't believe I'm saying these words right now. It was, a, it was an unbelievable game, a 34-31 overtime victory on Monday night that I hate to, I, I don't hate to say it. I love to say it. It might have the Bengals back in the playoff race. We'll, we'll get into all of that and where the Bengals are in the AFC playoff picture and where this puts them in the, in the postseason race and all that. But I think the first thing we have to get into is Jake Browning, uh, who just looked, I mean, absolutely incredible. He was 32 of 37, only missed five passes, looked good in basically every, every component of last night's game, Jay. I mean, I think We've had our concerns about Jake Browning, I think, dating back to the preseason. But this performance, I mean, to even show something like this against a Jacksonville defense that was no slouch coming into this game. Like, they were they were playing really well coming into this game. You've got to feel good about Jake Browning moving forward, and you have to have much more optimism about this Bengals team than you had after last week's loss. Yeah, I mean, it'd be foolish to say you saw it coming. Nobody saw that coming. But, it, you know, we talked about it on the pod last week. His strength. What they what they would do really well with him are those those fakes and the boots and the rollouts, and they were just handcuffed against Pittsburgh. You just can't do that against Pittsburgh with those ends and the way they're lined up. And you know, last night a lot of a lot of six man protections, seven man protections, a lot of rolling out. I mean, they played to his strengths. And you think about five of those incompletions. One hit Tyler Boyd in the hands. It wasn't a perfect throw. It was an early one, but it, it was, you know, maybe it was Tyler's fault. Maybe it was Jake's fault. Another one he intentionally threw in the ground uh, when, when nothing was there. So really like only three passes incompletes. It's just remarkable. I mean, 86%, you just don't see that in the league anymore. And and maybe you do, and maybe it's a lot of checkdowns and what we saw early in that game. He threw for 354 yards. I just thought that was, you know, Zach takes a lot of, criticism for his play calling I thought that was great last night what they did where it, early on you're like what in the heck is this what's going to be all game and it was just those quick little short passes out to chase they weren't getting anywhere but they they got him in a rhythm they got him I talked to AJ McCarron last week about you know the the being a backup and and coming in and he, he said it's it's like a basketball shooter that want you need to see the ball go through the hoop. You need to see completions and you just settle in. And I thought that was a great analogy. And that's what we really saw last night. That and the run game. I, the run game really helped out Jake Browning in that game. And I, I looked it up. They 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 started with two consecutive handoffs. You know, the how many games do you think it's been since they've done that? Pick a number. Twenty five. 21. It was the, <laughs> the Pittsburgh game coming out of the bye last week. In the Joe Burrow era, they've started seven games with back-to-back handoffs. Mm. Three of them, not with Joe Burrow mm. quarterback. <laughs> one with, with uh, Ryan Finley, one with Brandon Allen, and then, of course, Jake Browning last night. So just, just a, I mean, incredible performance from Jake Browning. Um, and, you know, once they got those early ones out of the way, I mean, he was making some throws. Mm-hmm. The, the, the one to T over the middle inside the five, the one to T on the third and 10 for 11 that got him into field goal range for the game winner was a hell of a throw. Obviously, the deep shot to Jamar Chase. It was just, I mean, I don't know. There was there was a lot of people uh, slamming the Bengals for for not having a quality backup. And, and one game doesn't make a, a career, but 
I mean, I think if you're looking going forward, what we saw last night is more indicative of what Jake Browning can be than what we saw in week one against Pittsburgh. Not week one, but his mm-hmm. first start against Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I think we've talked about it on this podcast about the opportunity that Jake Browning has for himself to be the long-term backup here, the long-term backup at the NFL. And I, I just think I mean, if you can show a game like that last night, you obviously have some level of talent. And we, and we knew that Jake Browning did, right? I mean, he was he had an amazing college season at Washington and went to the college football playoff. I mean, you don't typically go that far in your football career without having some base level of talent. And he's a very intelligent guy. And the Bengals coaching staff was confident they could run the offense with him. But I think the Bengals offensive staff showed, like you said, that they're going to lean into the run a little bit more and and let that help Jake Browning, right? I mean, I looked at some data from, from Ben Baldwin's site. On first and second downs, the Bengals ran the ball 28 times. They passed the ball 29 times. Extremely mm-hmm. balanced. Extremely balanced on those early downs. And I think that's critical when you've got a backup quarterback to, to let him give him a little bit of breathing room, right, and not make it so challenging for him on every single play. But you still have to give their credit to Browning. And I know he had, a lot of his yards came on like run after the catch, and that's fine. But he was still putting the ball in the right spot, going to the right receiver. You saw him barking out calls and adjusting protections before the snap, too. Yeah. The pre-snap stuff. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of backup quarterbacks that are necessarily doing that kind of work before the snap. Um, this week, Jake Browning was number one in completion percentage over expectation. I mean, that's pretty impressive. So as much as mm-hmm. as much as this offense was scheming play uh, receivers open for him, he was still finding guys that that maybe other quarterbacks wouldn't have found and hitting passes that other quarterbacks might not have hit. He was number three in EPA per play on the week and number four in QBR. I mean, there was really nothing not to like about this performance. Yeah. Um, I, I just think I I do think it, it gives you some encouragement that. Yeah, and we'll get into whether the Bengals are actually in the playoff race or not. And and, and we know it's going to take a lot for them to get back into this race. I still think you have to feel good about, you know, that this season isn't just going to be a tank job for the rest of the season. And I, do, I don't think we ever thought the players or the coaching staff was going to feel that way. But maybe from a fan perspective, we thought without Joe Burrow, this season is going to go down the drain. I mean, you and I talked to stores starting to talk about draft position and free agency and why wouldn't you, right? I mean, that's kind of how it mm-hmm. felt after last week. That's that's kind of how it felt like we were. And it it's it's just a really good feeling, I think, to see this type of turnaround. And, and it's not like they were playing the Carolina Panthers, the New York Giants. They were playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, a really, really mm-hmm. solid team. Um, and, and I think it feels really – I think you have to feel really good. Now, let's talk about those trick plays, Jake. I think <laughs> we talked about all, all the positive stuff that happened. I, I a couple of trick plays that just were to- that were totally botched. Um, something I tweeted out last night. I-, I couldn't believe I was typing it, but how do you take the ball out of Jake Browning's hands in those situations mm-hmm. when he was playing so well? Um, you know, Zach Taylor defended those plays after the game, and I get it. You're you're trying to get some creative level of way to generate offense with a backup quarterback. I get it, but you know, obviously those couple of plays, especially where where you're asking Tyler Boyd to to throw the ball and and throws an interception right to Josh Allen, a defensive end, essentially creating a, a huge swing there uh, in favor of the Jaguars. I, what do you think of those plays, Jay? I mean, is that it, – it's I couldn't believe they did two in one game, honestly, and, and so close together like that. Do um, you think that'll be something they'll do going forward? I don't know. They, they, they were so botched. I wonder if it makes them eliminate those from the playbook moving forward. He, he loves – Zach loves them. So I, I think we will see them from time to time. The, the interesting thing – so the first one really confused me because mm-hmm. I didn't know the one where Chase slipped down and then threw it to Browning. 
And I was just confused whether was that supposed to be a double backward pass and then Browning was going to yeah. chuck it down the field or were they trying to get Browning in space? And he is very athletic. And if you yeah. get him out there alone, but then once Chase slipped, it, it blew everything up. It blew up the timing. As soon as Browning caught the ball, there's a defender right there to drop him for a seven yard loss. I just don't know what the, the concept of that play was. The one that Boyd threw the interception, we've seen it before yep. and we've seen it work for big plays. Uh, 46 yards. I think it was at New York. Uh, two years ago in 2020, they did it against the the um, Browns for a big first down. Tyler Boyd can throw the ball. He's got an arm. They practice this play all the time. But Zach talked about it when they practice this play. It's vanilla looks. You don't have that muddy situation that they had last night. And we see quarterbacks do this all the time where they throw the ball right to a guy. They just didn't see him. Tyler Boyd's not used to throw. I mean, he just never saw Josh Allen. And so that I, I think uh, where a lot of people have issue with that is not the play call itself, it's the timing of it. Mm-hmm. You're at your own 25. It's one play after the Jacksonville Jaguars just tied the game, and now you're giving them another short field, and they go in. I mean, they get 14 points in a matter of seconds, and it looked like that could have been it. And Zach said that could have been it. it I mean, really impressive for the team to rally and come back from that. Um, but on the other hand, I kind of get it where – Maybe, I mean, I'm sure Press Taylor is very aware and letting the Jags defensive staff know <laughs> that this play to Tyler Boyd's in the book. And so they try a different play, and maybe that kind of takes that off the radar, and they're not expecting the the one there. And it's like, okay, you get the big lead on the, the bomb to Jamar. Mm-hmm. The Jaguars come back, steal all the momentum to Tatiya. What better way to steal that momentum back immediately than to try to hit a play that's worked in the past? But it's still, it was risky, and that was Zach's point. Yet you can't be scared. You you, you got to be aggressive. You got to call these plays. If they don't work out, so be it. He trusted the team. Um, but yeah, it was just in the moment. It's like, what in the world? And then you go back and you think about and you look and you see when that has worked before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know uh, uh, it's funny because he takes criticism all the time about being vanilla uh, and, and not being creative on <laughs> offense. And he gets creative and he gets slammed again because it didn't work. Uh, just yeah. <laughs> the, the, the remarkable thing about it is they overcame it. And that's on the road in prime time where they haven't run one in forever. They were four and 35 when trailing going into fourth quarters. And that that mess up there made it a 28, 21 deficit going in the fourth quarter and all the momentum swing just more so than the the botch trick plays was how the team responded and came back from that and won the game. No, I think you're right. And and I think specifically on those trick plays, look look at how scoring and offense is down around the NFL, right? I mean, you look at how mm-hmm. defenses play offense now. It's all about stopping big plays, stopping explosive plays, keeping everything in front of you. When you've got a backup quarterback, I think that's even going to be more of a focus on, on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I think you're seeing actually more trick plays like this around the entire NFL because offensive coordinators are just kind of at wit's end with how to get chunk yardage because it's just not happening against defenses that are just lining up in cover two with two deep safeties and they're saying you're not going over the top. You've got to kind of generate these offense, these big gains with trick plays like this. So I know it didn't work and I, and I agree it's risky, but – I think if you look at it from a process standpoint instead of a results standpoint, I think you can see why that that type of play will probably stick in the Bengals playbook and and be something that they do moving forward um, and hopefully get more success next time and not have it go like it did on Monday night. What about the defense, Jay? The defense, I mean, it 
we, we talk so much about this kind of bend but don't break unit that Luana Rumo has. And, you know, they, they broke on several times on Monday night. They gave up almost 400 yards. Um, they they allowed C.J. Beathard to come in, the, the Jaguars' backup quarterback, after Trevor Lawrence got hurt and drive down the field for a game-tying field goal at the end of the fourth quarter. But they held on in overtime. So again, it's we're kind of back to that bend but don't break mentality in terms of just actual points being scored. Um, there were, you know, several interesting plays, I think, on defense. The most notable one that we have to talk about was Dak Seldes missing that interception in the end zone. I mean, yeah. just a just an unbelievable turn of events there. Absolutely huge swing in the game. I think that just like that trick play could have really kind of been the nail in the one of the nails in the coffin for the Bengals last mm-hmm. night. Again, we have to talk about how they overcame that kind of adversity. Um, what do you think of the defense? I, I think big plays are still an issue, uh, but but there's a little bit to get excited about in this defense, though. Yeah, so you look at it, and there, there were six explosives. Um, what, what I'm looking at is explosive as a pass play of more than, more than 20 yards. Mm-hmm. I think the longest was 26, and that was the first play of the first game. Play, yep. it, it was 26, 25, 24, 22, 21, 21. So – they gave up those big chunk plays, but they weren't 30, 40 mm-hmm. running for touchdowns. They got the guys on the ground as soon as they gave up the pass. So yeah, you never want to give you don't want to give up that many, but I thought they I thought they did a really good job tackling last night. I thought the D-line did a really good job of you know getting pressure on Trevor Lawrence and moving him around and and, and making him uncomfortable and just horrible the injury to him. I I just mm-hmm. everybody hates to see that. Um and that was, again, that was a pressure situation where um, I don't know why he pulled the ball back down. He, he went to throw it and he pulled it back down. And then that's when Walker Little stepped on him mm-hmm. right as Trey Hendrickson hit him and kind of bent him over after Walker had stepped on the ankle. But I, I mean, I thought the D-line played. B.J. Hill played a hell of a game. Yeah. Um, he had some really big stops. Um, I, I thought the secondary did a really good job of tackling, even not just even when those guys got the big gains, but coming down support in the run game. I thought Mike Hilton had a really good game as well. Um, so it was it was kind of a classic Lou Anarumo game where mm-hmm. you, you give up a lot of the yards, but they, they played well in the red zone. I really thought they were going to come up with a stop on that first one, and Trevor Lawrence just plowed it in yeah. from one yard out. They, they They've had eight – red zone trips by opponents that ended in no points whatsoever. That's tied for most in the league. I thought one of those, they were going to take over the league lead, but Jacksonville did convert all their red zones into points. Um, but I, I thought it was a step forward. It sounds crazy to say 31 points and all those explosives, but it just, it didn't feel as disjointed as, as maybe some, and yeah, I mean the Pittsburgh game, they only gave up 16 points, but it just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It felt like a step forward. They, they're Sam Hubbard's back to 100%. Their playmakers were making plays. Uh, Jordan Battle continues to impress. Um, you're you're not going to face maybe the rest of the way. I, don't, I can't think of a team that's going to stress a defense the way Jacksonville does with their speed. Now, obviously, they lost you know, very first play of the game, lose Kirk, but yeah, uh, it, it's not going to – I mean, Indy doesn't have – guys like that minnesota's got justin jefferson that that could be a, a problem but it, it just it, it felt like uh a, a, maybe a baby step forward for the defense no i i definitely agree and you're right it's it's hard to say that when you see 31 points a lot on the scoreboard but 
you know, that, that interception from Tyler Boyd put the Bengals defense in a bad spot, obviously, and, and led to yeah. points. So there, and there was other opportunities like that. You're right. I, I think B.J. Hill and D.J. Reader both had excellent games. Mm-hmm. D.J. Reader showed up consistently. PFF, I think, credited him with six pressures, second on the team behind Henderson. Wow. So really, really solid game from him. And, um, you know, he'll be a free agent at the end of the season. And, and so will Chidobi Awuzie, who I think had a, a pretty good game, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, did, we didn't talk about Cam Taylor Britt's been sent to IR. So he'll be gone for he was gone for this game and at least three more games. Um, so so Cheeto's right back in there in a, in a full time starting role. And I think acquitted himself pretty well. Um, you know, I, it, we've talked about whether he'll be back next season. I, I don't think that's likely, but. For a guy who I think has been up and down this season, who's getting closer to thirty, and who's looking for one, going to be working, looking for one more deal this offseason, this is probably the type of game he wanted to have for for his own. You know, it's looking forward and looking forward to his future Absolutely. contract. If he can continue that, I, I think he'll he'll probably find a nice deal for himself next offseason. Um, there was a moment late in that I can't remember when it was, but he he was down on the sideline for a little bit. He was really mm-hmm. slow to get up, and it's like, uh oh. Yep. Well, you know, what's he got going on now? So that'll be something to monitor as we go forward. Uh, next up at this point would be rookie seventh round pick DJ Ivy, who they like a lot. I mean, he made the 53 coming out of camp and yeah. um, he's been mixing in on special teams. But uh, yeah, I mean, we don't know yet what's up with Cheeto, but that was I, I just noticed that where he was really yeah. slow to get up. And I, I think they, they were on the verge of blowing the whistle and, and you're making him take at least a playoff. Yep. And he got back in there and he finished. So that was a good sign. Yeah, it actually brings up an interesting point. I wonder what they would do at outside corner. Like they they don't have a ton of depth remaining. Um, you know, a lot of people thought Daxton Hill could play outside corner when he was coming out of college at Michigan. They've got Nick Scott, who they've they've obviously benched. But if it came down to it and things got dire, I wonder if you'd see Dax Hill at outside corner and put Nick Scott back back in his starting safety role. Yeah, it'd be. I mean, I don't know. I they. They do like DJ Ivy, but do you want to do you want to stick a rookie seventh round yeah. pick in that spot? Exactly. Um, but it, I mean, maybe maybe it's the devil you don't know because I mean yeah. they know what they've got in Nick Scott. They put Nick Scott back in there uh, and moved Dax to corner, and I think it's going to be problems. He's just he has not played well this year, and they've, they've been working. It's they haven't benched him. He's still coming in and playing a third still down. Still has role. a role. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I don't know that you want him on the field for the yeah. majority of the snaps. So I, I think we have to talk about now whether the Bengals can make the playoffs. I mean, this didn't seem like a realistic option when Joe Burrow went down. Didn't seem like a realistic option after the Ravens game. Certainly not after the Steelers game. If you, if you look at some of the playoff predictors, and you know we have ours at PFN. You can look at the New York Times. You can look at ESPN's FPI. If you look at those playoff percentages, they're they're not great. Obviously, <laughs> the Bengals are down. You know, six, eight, ten percent. I think that's obvious, you know, anyone that understands how the playoff picture works, it's they have they have a lot of teams they would have to leap over to get back in the mix. But last night, what I think was incredibly encouraging. If you can think you can get this type of performance from Jake Brenning in this offense, they could really beat anybody. I mean, there, there's there's no there, I don't think you can you can say that lightly. If you can beat the Jaguars and put up 31 points with Jake Brenning, you could probably compete with anybody in the NFL, just on a base level. Then you look at the their rest of their schedule. We've talked all season about how difficult the schedule is going to be and how difficult this gauntlet end of season is going to be for the Bengals, even with Joe Burrow. It's not really looking like that anymore because Bengals are the only team dealing with quarterback injuries in the NFL. Four of their next five games could be against backup quarterbacks. Uh, Josh Jobs is in Minnesota. Gardner Minshew is playing for the Colts. Mitchell Trubisky will probably be the Steelers starter when, when, when the Bengals face the Steelers. 
If he's not, I'm not sure there's that much difference between Mitchell Trubisky and, and Kenny Pickett anyway. Patrick Mahomes, you, you might have heard of him. He's, he's pretty good. But then the Browns, maybe they'll be paying Joe Flacco. Maybe it'll be back to Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Maybe they'll be on P.J. Walker. Another turn for him by that point. Who knows? Either way, it's a backup quarterback there, too. Lots of backups coming on the schedule, Jay. I mean, we, we know it's a long shot, obviously. They'd probably have to win four of their next five, get to at least 10 wins, I would think, to get back in the mix. But there's a shot. There's a legitimate shot now that they won last night's game. I think you have to say that. There is. And, I mean, even – I mean, Patrick Mahomes is still the best on the planet, but that offense is flawed. I mean, I, I – yeah, I got it. They 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 had some changes, and I, I thought, okay, they're going to be slow getting going, and they're gonna they're gonna pick it up, and they just have not. And Lou Anarumo, he's got Andy Reid's number. I mean, they they've beat him three out of four times. The Chiefs have not been the Chiefs in really maybe in one the the, the game that was what the thirty seven to thirty four game the Chiefs they play, offense played really well, but they they've held them under their average in yardage and points, and so. You know, I'm not saying they're going to go in there and beat them. There's a long time to go before New Year's Eve, but it does. It it, it really opens up, and you know, you you look at it in the playoff predictor. They the Bengals had a three point four percent three point four percent of making it per ESPN's FPI before last night. It's up to twelve and a half now. I mean, mm-hmm. a substantial leap after one win. They play the Colts. They can get a head to head advantage on them. They've already got a head to head advantage on the Jaguars. Who knows how long Trevor Lawrence is out. If you're a Bengal fan, you're rooting like heck for Houston to win that division and to put Jacksonville down in the in the mix in the wild card because the Bengals are going to struggle to win tiebreakers because of their conference record, two and six now. But head-to-head against Buffalo, head-to-head against Indy if they win this week, head-to-head against Jacksonville now. So that path is there. You, I mean, everybody – I think a lot of people think they don't have a chance because of that poor start and that AFC record. But mm-hmm. if they're going to get there – they're going to win all of these games or four and one down the stretch. All of a sudden that conference record is going to be back in the 500 range where everybody else is going to be, that's going to be in that mix. So it's not crazy. And I went and I looked not just, you know, those percentage chances on the FPI is based on who the opponents are. And it's, it's specific to this year. When you go, you go back and you look at teams that started six and six since the current division alignment in 2002, 59 missed the playoffs, 27 made it. That's a 31.3%. That's a one in three chance. If if you'd ask Bengal fans before yesterday's game or any point in the last three games during that losing streak, if, if you, they would take a one in three chance of making the playoffs, everybody'd sign up for that. So it's not crazy. It's still a lot of work to do. What they did Monday night doesn't cover up everything. It's one game. That's the way that the league works. But I, I do think that they can make this very interesting down the stretch. And, you know, the Indy Open is a three-point favorite. It's already down to one and a half. I, I, I like the Bengals' chances against Indy. You mentioned Minnesota, Josh Dobbs. It may not be Josh Dobbs. He played so bad in that True. Monday night game against the Bears. They might be going back to Jaron Hall. Who yeah. knows where they're going to go at quarterback. So I, I think you feel really good about their chances of winning these next two games and going to Pittsburgh with a whole lot on the line. Yeah, absolutely. And I think and I think Pittsburgh and Cleveland losing this past week was huge too. I mean, yeah. that the fact that they lost, that helped, you know, not only the Bengals, but I think a team like the Bills that, that's still trying to fight back and get in this race. Um, you know, you look you look at this AFC wildcard, it 
race, it's not exactly the most impressive crops of crop of teams, especially crop of quarterbacks. I think the, the teams that I would be the most worried about, I think, are the Houston Texans and the Buffalo Bills, who both of whom, like the Bengals, wouldn't even be in the playoffs if the season ended today, I don't believe. Um, it's I think the Bengals do have a chance at which, like like you said, is not something I would have said after last week. But I, I just think if you look at if you look at how Jake Browning played, and if if he, I I don't want to excuse that performance against the Steelers, and like you said, I think backup quarterbacks can be very mercurial, where they can look amazing one week and absolutely tank the next week. There's a chance that Jake Browning comes out next week and looks like the guy we saw during the preseason or during the Steelers game. We we don't know. I think it's mm-hmm. I, I think it's very up in the air. But I also think there's a good chance that he settles somewhere in the middle, right, and somewhere between that amazing performance we saw last night and and kind of the the poor play that we saw against the Steelers and in, in, in the preseason. I, I think even with that kind of middle of the pack quarterback performance, given the other weapons that the Bengals have, we didn't even talk about Jamar Chase and, and another incredible statistical performance from him last night. Uh, if this defense, I think, can get anywhere back on track. And like you said, I think they showed some positive steps this week. I think you've got to feel good that they can at least compete going down the stretch. And I, I do think that's important for for this locker room, for this team morale. I, I don't think the Bengals were ever going to give up. We talked about that. But, man, I don't think it would have been great for this team if they had finished the season with, you know, five wins, six wins, something like that, go into the offseason, have to dwell on this poor season. And mm-hmm. I, I think at least competing and, and getting some level of fight throughout the rest of the year, even if they end up not making the playoffs, I think that's pretty important for for a veteran team like this with a guy, with a roster of guys who are, mo- for the most part, going to be back next year. You know, it, it- – I, I complain about this all the time on Twitter, the, the the mindset of the fans when things go south and, and when they win a game like last night, Twitter's just such a fun place. And one of my one of my favorite tweets that I got, and I'm sorry, I can't remember who sent it, but it said last night proved what we do all along. Joe Burrow is a system quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just I mean, it is. It's 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 crazy that yeah, everybody's criticizing Zach yeah. Taylor and saying Joe Burrow brought him along. And I mean, if this continues, this is a it's not Jake Browning with a lot at stake. I mean, Zach Taylor will get a lot of a lot more credit than I think people are willing to give him if, if they can do this. And yeah. you mentioned Chase. I did want to mention one note about him because I, I looked um, three straight years now uh, with a thousand yards receiving, and that's to start a career. Obviously, uh, he's the eighth person in NFL history to do that. The list is pretty remarkable. Uh, Mike Evans did it his first 10 years mm-hmm. and counting yep. this year. He's at 10 uh, Randy Moss, six, another Bengal, AJ green, five, Michael Thomas, four, Justin Jefferson, three. That's going to come to an end this year with the, all the time he missed John Jefferson, the old chargers receiver three and Odell Beckham jr. Three. Um, so Jamar and great company there. Yeah. And I, I think people forget he only played 12 games last year. And he still had a thousand yards. He didn't get the thousand till the season finale, but he got it. Um, so heck of a run by him. Um, and, and you know, I, I'm not saying he's going to challenge Mike Evans, but he he can easily move into yeah Mike Thomas at four, and then he, he I, I think AJ Green's in re, in reach at five. So uh, I, I thought it was interesting too because he went over a thousand on that 76 yard mm-hmm. bomb. I was like, well, when did he hit a thousand? So I went back and I looked last year. He went over a thousand on a 17 yard touchdown catch against the Ravens in the season finale that made it 17 nothing, a really big spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in 2020, he went over a thousand on a 37 yard touchdown against the 49ers. 
it got overturned on replay. And then he came back in the fourth quarter, caught a 17-yard touchdown pass that left him four shy of a thousand. But then he got it on his next catch. He had, I don't know if people remember, huge comeback in that game, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Mm. So he doesn't just get to a thousand yards. He's kind of got the flair for the dramatic <laughs> to hit that thousand yards, and no greater evidence of that than than last night with that that bomb for 76, longest play of the year for the Bengals. Yeah, he makes them count. He absolutely makes them count when, yes. he, when he catches them. Uh, let, let's get into next week's game. So the Bengals are facing the Colts next Sunday. It's it, it's absolutely a huge game if the Bengals want to make the playoffs. The, the Colts are ahead of them in the AFC playoff picture. The Colts would be in the playoffs if the season of today as a wild card team. Um, it, the Colts are kind of in a similar position to the Bengals. I mean, they've got a backup quarterback, too. They've got Gardner Minshew. I think Gardner Minshew is, you know, it. he's a different quarterback than Jake Browning, but I think you'd if you're the Bengals, you'd be happy if Jake Browning turned into Gardner Vinci long-term, right? I mean, I think he's yeah. one of the better backups in the NFL. Um, he's got, he's kept the Colts, him and Shane Steichen, who I think has been really impressive in his first year as the Colts head coach, even after losing Anthony Richardson. I mean, to be in the playoff picture with it, with this roster, I mean, think about where the Colts were last season. Jeff Saturday is their head coach, blowing that massive lead to the Minnesota Vikings. I think to be in this position, you've got to actually give them a lot of credit. Uh, for where they are what are your thoughts on this game jay i mean i this is a winnable game i mean i don't think there's any doubt yeah. about that this is a winnable game uh we can get into the details here in a second but what are your just kind of overall thoughts on the colts and, and where where the Bengals line up against them this sunday well i mean i haven't seen the odds but i i think shane steichen should be one of the candidates for coach of the year it's just remarkable what what he's done losing his starting quarterback where, where, he, where he's brought that team to um zach taylor's won seven of his last eight games against rookie slash interim head coaches so take, take that for what you will. The, the one loss was D'Amico Ryans and the Texans this year. Um, I don't know. Indy's won four in a row, but you look at who they've beat. The Panthers, the Patriots, the two worst teams in the league. Yep. Buccaneers aren't very good. And then it took overtime to beat the Titans. Uh, well, I know the Titans beat the Bengals, but that seems like forever ago, way back in yep. week four. The Titans are not a good team. They're four and eight. They – the Colts really had no business winning that. I mean, the Titans botched two punts that got their special teams coordinator fired. I, and, so, and their punter out for the year. Yes. <laughs> a very, very good punter. It was yeah. brutal. Um, but I, Minshew, I don't – he's just one of those guys where you, you look at the tools and, and you, yeah, but he's just – he's got that it factor about him. He, he's a leader. He makes plays when they count. I mean, I, I I think if this game is close, the Bengals fans should be concerned if the Colts have the ball last with, mm-hmm. with Gardner Minshew driving him. He just – he has that knack about him. Um, but, you know, they're not going to have Jonathan Taylor. They're running back. Zach Moss is, is a, a more than capable backup. Um, cool game. Alec Pierce, UC star coming home, homecoming for him. Um, I just – the, the one thing, their defense, DeForest Buckner and Taven Bryan in the middle, that's where the Bengals have been kind of susceptible to pressure. Mm. And maybe it's not as big of a deal with Jake Browning, the way he can get out of pocket and they get him out of pocket by design. But that would be one thing I would watch is is the, the, the pressure. I thought Jacksonville was going to be a problem pressure-wise. And the Bengals O-line, really the last two weeks, I know people don't want to hear it about Pittsburgh, I thought the O-line played really well against Pittsburgh. I thought they played great last night. And if that continues, not just in pass blocking, but the run blocking, obviously, uh, if that continues, you know, this team can get where they need to go, and they absolutely can beat the Colts. I, I 
I can't see this game being more than a field goal game either way. It just it just feels like that kind of dirty December AFC North kind of feel. I agree. I, I think my thing would be when the Bengals have the ball, the Colts are ninth in DVOA against the pass. They're 26th against the run. I think this is going to be another game where the Bengals are going to have to focus on the run game. And they showed they would do that last uh, last night against the Jaguars. I think it's going to be a similar game plan. I, I think you will see you're, – you're right that that pressure could come from the inside. I think if you can if you can stick to the run game, get Chase Brown going like he was last night. I mean, we didn't really touch on Chase Brown. He was incredibly impressive last night. We finally got to see him be a part of this offense, get get some work alongside Joe Mixon. I think that's kind of the element that this team has been looking for in that backfield. And you look at it, you hate to make too lofty of comparisons, but like, could this be a, like a something of a thunder and lightning combination over the rest of the season? Look at how look yes. at how Ezekiel look how Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard were used last year for the Cowboys, right? Use Zeke in short yard situations near the goal line. Use Chase Brown and try and get these big chunk plays. Use him in the passing game. I think that's a really interesting kind of way to get Jake Browning going especially against a team like the Colts. Gus Bradley is their defensive coordinator. They're going to play as much cover three as anybody in the NFL. They're going to have a deep safety in the middle of the field. They're going to try and stop these vertical passes. They're going to try and stop Jamar Chase from T. Higgins from getting down the field. So how are you going to beat that? You're going to beat that in the seams and in the flats. I think that's how that Bengals are going to have to beat this team. That means a lot of Chase Brown and Joe Mixon catching Mm -hmm. passes. That means maybe Tanner Hudson going up the seam and, and ke- having another big game. He's consistently been involved both with Joe Burrow and Jake Browning under center, right? I think if you're going to throw the ball to chase, I think it's going to be tough to hit those deep shots, but I do think the Colts are going to be in a lot of off coverage. And what does Jamar Chase do really well? Evade tackles and create mm-hmm. yardage. I think you're going to see a ton of short little hitch passes, little quick game throws to Jamar Chase and just let him create because the Colts – Defensive weakness is a cornerback. I'm not even going to list their cornerbacks as, frankly, I don't really know anything about them. <laughs> they're, they're, they don't have much going on in the defensive backfield. Uh, they've got Kenny Moore in the slots. So he's pretty good, but their outside corners are not great. I, I think that I have a lot of faith in Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan to design an offense that can attack this defense. I think you'll get some high-low concepts that are going to put a lot of these – Cover three defenders in conflict. I think think you'll see some run pass option looks that are going to put defenders in conflict. I I bet we could get out of this game, and I think we could have, around the league, have a lot higher view of how Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan designed this offense. Because I think if if the Bengals can win this game, you'll have seen them put up 34 points against the Jaguars. And if if I'm right about how the Bengals are going to design their offense against the Colts, I think you'll see a really well-crafted offense that attacks the weaknesses of this Colts defense that I think is going to, is going to shine a good spotlight on how Zach Taylor kind of runs this offense. I think the chase Brown is a good point. They, they need to see more of chase Brown and they need to see less of chase Brown. And what I mean by that is they were way too predictable and I'm surprised the Jaguars didn't catch on. He only had 11 snaps and they, they handed it to him on nine of them. Mm-hmm. You just, you can't, you can't say, you can't be that predictable. Like, oh, the guy's in the game, you know, he's going to get the ball. So they, they need to work him in a little more where, where it's not guaranteed to go to him. The one thing that really impressed me, we knew Chase Brown had wiggle. We knew he had speed and explosion. He was a tough runner last mm-hmm. night. He had some where he slammed it up in there. Nothing was there. And he's dragging guys. I didn't know he had that in him. It, I mean, it was, it was mixing like there where, you know, you just slam into guys and fall forward and, and get another couple yards. That that's what it almost impressed me more than 
the 31 yard run, which is the longest of the year for the Bengals, uh, that kind of stuff. I, he was, he was really, it was kind of like Samaj P Ryan, where you don't realize it until you start seeing it over and over again. It's like, yeah, he can stick his nose in there and get the tough yards too, uh, as opposed to being really good in the past game and in space. So, um, I, I do, I, I think we're, we're going to have to see, and I, I think it can be that thunder and lightning situation. It, you go back to the years of, of Mixon and geo, mm-hmm. uh, it, it can be very similar. I know a lot of people are wringing their hands. Where's chase Brown been all this time. Uh, I, I think that you forget this was a very compromised offense early in the year and, and you're, it takes a while for rookies to come along and get the full grass. You're not going to stick a rookie in there when you've got Joe Burrow playing on one leg. They were just getting ready to give him the bigger role coming out of the bye, and he got hurt and he missed four games with the hamstring. So um, I, I get it. People are like, where's this been all year? But th- there are reasons why it, it's taken this long to get him involved. And maybe it's for the best. I mean, you've got a guy that is fresh as fresh can be when everybody else is worn down. He can be a real weapon in December. No, that's a really good point. That, that's a very good point. And I think he will, I, I think we'll see him more in the field, more and more as, yeah. the, as the year progresses. Um, yeah, one, you mentioned Alec, Alec Pierce. The Colts do a, a couple of good receivers. Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce both mm-hmm. went over 100, years, 100 yards on Sunday. Uh, pretty much Alec Pierce is like first breakout game of the year. So I'm curious to see how the Colts keep using him. And we know the Bengals are susceptible to explosive plays, if, if anything. Mm-hmm. So Alec Pierce, that is his game, is that deep ball. Because anyone who's a UC football fan remembers from his time with the Bearcats. Um, yeah, I think this will be a very good game. I think it'll be a close game. Um, let's go ahead and get into our our predictions for this week and our bets, Jay. I, I've I think we're probably on the same page for how this Colts uh, the Colts Bengals game is going to go. But let's talk about our non Bengals bets for the week. Let's let's rehash how how we how our bets did last week. How did we finish up last week, Jay? Yeah, so let's do rehash that because you and I went head to head on both of our picks last week and. Uh, I won them both. I had Bengals plus eight. You had Jags minus eight. I obviously won that. Uh, and I went with the dead cat bounce. Carolina plus five. If you've disciplined enough to do it and only bet on teams that fire their coach the next week, you will make money. And it happened again. Carolina plus five. They cover against Tampa Bay. Uh, you had Tampa Bay minus five. Um, Brian Lewis, our betting director, big week for him as well. He did a money line parlay with the Texans against the Broncos and the Lions against New Orleans. Now it was only a plus 140, but his $10 bet got him 14. And then he took the 49ers Eagles over 46 and a half. So uh, he won $24 on the week. He is now at plus 14 for the season. Uh, I won 20. I am at minus two and very close to even money, which is a win when you're betting. Um, and sorry, Dalton, but you're down to minus 70. It might be parlay time to, for you to try to get back into this. Well, you called me Dalton, and you, my name is oh. Dallas, but uh, <laughs> and you just put that poor record out into the open. It's just, it's just, can we just move on from this segment? This is. <laughs> I, I was thinking about Dalton, ta- Dalton talking about you, about how what a great week you had picking straight up. And so, yes, my apologies. Oh, there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been bad. It's been bad for me this year. Let, I, let's get back on track. Let's get back on track this week. I'm going to pick. The Denver Broncos plus three against the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles. I I used to be a huge Brandon Staley guy. I loved all his analytics talk when he first came in the league. It's just a mess for the Chargers. Yeah, they won on Sunday, but it was six to nothing against the Patriots. I mean, how can you feel good about that? The Broncos lost. It was against the Texans. It was a, it was a close game. Broncos are on the upswing. They're just they're they're a, look like a much better team to me than the Chargers right now. So I'll I'll take them against the Chargers. 
if you're if you're Bengals fans, you're rooting for the Chargers in that one. That, yeah. Denver's another team you got to knock out of that that six and six range. Um, my my non Bengals bet, and this is another one that it's just by rule. And if I did it with Iowa, I would be broke right now. <laughs> but when you see an over under at thirty and a half, like New England and Pittsburgh, take the over. I mean, there's there's going to be defensive touchdowns. There's going to be turnovers or short fields. It's just crazy. New England, Pittsburgh, over 30 and a half. Uh, it's just the ninth time in NFL history that an over-under has been under 31, uh, and the over has hit in six of those eight previous times. So, Bailey, like Bailey Zappi versus Mitchell Trubisky. I'm sure Amazon is yep. very pleased about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what did uh, what did Brian have for this week's bets? Brian actually has a Bengals bet. So his his non Bengals bet this week, he's going Raiders plus three at Minnesota. Okay, um, I don't know how to feel about that. Would be a yeah, game I would never I touch. It just feels like yeah, I don't know. Uh, his Bengals bet, he's pairing it. He's doing a teaser again. He likes the teasers, so he's bumping the Bengals up from one and a half to seven and a half, and he's bumping the Bills up from two and a half against the chiefs to eight and a half. Mm, okay. So, uh, interesting one. I don't know that I would bet against Patrick Mahomes, but I, I do feel like Buffalo could cover eight and a half in that game. And they're uh, at home. Yeah. Are I they? Think, or is it in Kansas uh, City? No, it's in Kansas City. It's in Kansas City. It is in Kansas City. Yeah. yeah. But I, th- I think I could probably cover eight and a half though. Yeah. Um, okay. So for my Bengals bet, I saw, so it's, I saw a one, they're a one point underdog, correct? That's that's what I saw. Did you see one, one and a half? Is what okay. I saw. So we can go roughly this. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to take the money line either way. I'm I'm going to go okay. with the Bengals. I'm going to go with the Bengals with this one. I'm going to I'm going to. You said you can't see it being more than a three point game earlier. I totally yeah. agree. I go. I'm going to go Cincinnati 24, Colts 21. I just think these two teams are, you know, pretty similar. They're obviously similar record wise. I think they're in a similar position from a backup quarterback perspective. I just don't know that there's enough to like separate these teams and, and see a, a blowout either way. I just really like what the Bengals did. I like what Jake Browning did last week. I, w- I was so impressed. And maybe this is re- recency bias. You know, this is a weird week. We're coming off the game last night. We're, we're on a high from watching that game. I think Jake Browning's a Hall of Famer now. You know, all of that. I still feel good about the Bengals. I do think they're more talented than the Colts from top to bottom. And like we talked about, I, I think this is a game where Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan will really kind of sow their, sow their oats here and show – the NFL that they can design an offense that can attack defenses with regularity. So I'm going to go Bengals 24 Colts 21. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. It's a, it's a, it's a big regression to the mean game for the Colts. I mean, like I said, four in a row, haven't really beaten anybody of quality. Uh, it's, I, I, I mean, the Bengals aren't juggernauts obviously, but this is a big step up for them. It's on the road. Um, I, I think Bengal fans are going to be rejuvenated. It's going to be a good atmosphere in the, in Paycor stadium. Um, I'm going to stick with the dirty, muddy, ugly score that I, I think this game's going to be. I'm going to go Bengals 19 Colts 16 uh, in a Ugh. field goal fest. Yeah, that's a gross score. That's a really gross one. I, I love picking those weird, those kind of weird numbers. 1960 yeah. isn't that weird. 24-21, my pick is, is a very standard pick. But I do like picking those weird numbers, especially game like this could get weird. You never know. I mean, a yeah. couple backup quarterbacks. This could be a weird one. This, this could be some very strange result on Sunday. Um, yeah, the Bengals have a lot to have a lot to, to they can kind of make up some ground this Sunday, Jay. We will be back next week to talk about this massive game. Do you have anything else you want to go over before we sign off and look ahead to this this huge game against the Colts? 
Uh, no, just looking forward to next week's podcast. I'll have more than three hours sleep. Uh, we, yeah. uh, we, we decided to do this one on our normal schedule. Uh, went to bed at 4 a.m., but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling energized. There's, there's a lot more fun things to look up uh, when it's a performance like that. So um, I, I, I just I don't know. I, I kind of had a feeling something like that would happen. I didn't predict it. Obviously, I picked the Jaguars to win, but I, I just I, I think it was a it wasn't a fluke and it wasn't a, you know, just a anything can happen in the NFL type of thing. I really think we saw something that we're going to see more of the rest of the way. It doesn't mean they're going to make it into the playoffs, but I think December and January are going to be a lot more fun than Bengal fans thought it was going to be just uh, maybe 24 hours ago. Yes. Um, so it's, it is, it's, it's going to be enjoyable to watch. And uh, even if it is 19 to 16, yeah. You cannot help but be encouraged after last night. No. All right. Well, we will be back next week to talk about this Colts game, win or lose, and see where the Bengals are in the playoff race. I mean, th- this week has a lot on the line. So make sure you come back next Tuesday. We'll talk about this game. We'll talk about the rest of the season. We'll talk about where the Bengals are in the playoff picture. Thanks again for listening. Give us a review. Give us a like and subscribe on YouTube. We will talk to you next week on the PFN Bengals podcast. Thank you again. <laughs>